Hello and welcome to another episode of the Vinyl Countdown, the podcast where I, Jeremy Levine, break down my favorite vinyl releases from cover to cover and everything in between. On this week's episode, I will be diving into my favorite Motion City soundtrack album of them all, 2012's simply titled Go. Uh, just saw them in Dallas uh, last weekend. Uh, today is Tuesday when I'm recording this, and I saw them um, Saturday night. And while I don't remember much about the show itself, you know, thanks to the big ass beers at the House of Blues, um, it was a rough night, but even rougher day after. But um, I do remember chatting with people and uh, sharing Motion City experiences and stories with them all and just generally having a good time. You know, that was really cool. And the, um, the band uh, Odd Folks, uh, Dallas natives, they, uh, they opened for them and they were fucking rad. Like, I got to chat with them after two and uh, they were super cool. Uh, bought a record from them, which at some point I'll probably will do on the on the podcast as well. Um, so shout out to uh, Odd Folks if you're listening, if you remember. I think I talked to him about the podcast, but I'm not too sure. But again, kind of a blur. But let's uh, let's get on down to Variant Corner real quick because I'm super excited to talk about this one. Uh, it's going to be a short one anyway. So there was two variants released in 2012 a standard black which is the one that i have and a gray swirl variant limited to 500 the uh the black is going for you know 15 to 25 dollars which is is about what you'd expect um the gray is really weird because it's got two for sale on discogs for 35 which is a reasonable price and then one for 220 dollars like i don't i don't know that guy's thinking but Pretty sure he's not going to get that for it. Uh, whatever the case, the record sounds great, which is really good. Uh, although there's no extras or anything like that, it's just kind of, um, I don't know, it's a the sleeve, the record, liner notes, uh, pretty basic, you know. Um, but regardless of that, it's an incredible album, and I will get into it. So uh, we'll get into the music, but first... A word from my buddies over at the Super Media Bros Podcast. I'm Midnight Agent Raw. And I'm Okami. We are the Super Media Bros Podcast. Each week, we give a comedically informative take on movies, music, television, video games, and much more. Put your shades on and listen to all episodes on SuperMediaBrosPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, shades on. We're off. Alrighty, track one, Circuits and Wires. So, um, I mean, this this album is just, it's filled with just just bangers from start to finish, right? But uh, this song in particular, like the, you know, there's like a, I can't really place the sound. I guess this is a really distorted guitar sound that comes in first and then um, leads into uh, Tony's drum pattern, which is pretty awesome for the song. Um... You know, according to Justin via a uh, YouTube video series that I found around the time when the album was released, they kind of go through each song and explain what they're about or, you know, little fun anecdotes about the recording and all. And, and with this song, he explains that the idea, 
came about during the writing sessions for My Dinosaur Life, and it got pushed off of that record and still got pushed like even further to almost not even being included on this record either. And then at the last minute they decided to add it, which, you know, it's a great decision, I think. But um, it's a wonderful song, and it fits in really well with, you know, a band who has like an incredible array of opening of like album opening tracks or whatever like uh or opening album tracks to that backwards but yeah so like there's so many great songs that start motion city albums and this one's no different like it's just it's it's wonderful so you know uh, next up is a true romance now uh apparently this one was quite a rush job too kind of a last second here uh, josh kane guitarist and Matt Taylor, uh, bassist kind of worked on the music, but, um, they weren't sure how to proceed with finishing it or whatever. So, uh, when they did, uh, Tony Baxton, you know, their drummer, he, um, <laughs> I think I'd read something like he was, he'd actually finished tracking all of his drums for the record and was getting ready to fly out and leave. And they came to him at like the last minute like, Hey, uh, I know your flight leaves in like two hours, but, um, you need the track. Uh, drums for the song that we like literally just finished so he had an hour to uh track drums for a song that he had barely heard and just he kind of just knocked it out and did it so that's pretty cool but the thing is though listening to the songs you, you never know it you know just how like haphazardly some of these songs came about like you would never be able to tell on the record you know uh and then you know it went from almost Again, not existing to then being the first single off the record. So <clears throat> now, uh, Justin did say in an interview that the lyrics describe two people who seemingly don't have much in common except their love for the time they share in the bedroom. He says, In my experience, opposites do attract. And if you get over the, uh, <laughs> I, I, I said I was going to practice this word because I wouldn't sound like an idiot on the podcast, but um, it's a uh, superficialities. <clears throat> You can get over the superficialities. You often find you have more in common than you initially thought. It's a very scary word. It's really big, but I think I nailed it. Uh, he says, perhaps you even find love. Well said, I think. So um, moving on. Track three, which is, I mean, if I had to pick a, a least favorite, I guess this would be it. But uh, it has grown on me quite a bit over the years. But I mean, you know, some song has to be last, right? Son of a Gun, name of the song. So it's quite simply a song about a dude in a relationship who just like doesn't quite get it. Like he's uh, he's like, oh yeah, it's like I'm making fun of my girlfriend because it's funny and like you know that's kind of his humor, I guess. But it, it's it's never funny, you know. Uh, but it's kind of cool because it wasn't totally written out beforehand so they just kind of went to the studio with an outline and uh kind of just filled it in from there uh another fun fact the guitar solo that josh uh, josh plays uh was apparently him just fucking around and they recorded it and kept it like uh, that the part they recorded of him just like like fucking off or whatever like that ended up being the solo they used on the song on the record so that's pretty cool but um, so up next, track four, the second single off of the record, Timelines. Uh, again, song's pretty great. 
uh, it's a it's a song about I guess uh, reflection, you know, uh, retracing your steps throughout your life, and you know, I love the line where he says, um, it's, "It's not a matter of time; it's just a matter of timing." Do you ever wonder how you got to here? Um, and now, you know, when it came out, I was, um, yeah, I think I was like twenty eight. I was about to be twenty eight. You know, I was feeling young, I was spry, you know, my son was only about a year old, and um, now when I hear, like, later in the song where he, where he sings, you know, woke up feeling 35, though grateful that I'm still alive, another another chance at normalcy to chase the dream, and now it seems that days run away like wild horses over the hills, and, you know, I'm 35 now, and fuck if I don't feel that super deep in my soul, <laughs> like, um... I guess as many of my longtime listeners know, like all seven of you, I guess, uh, I have a real issue with the, like the passage of time, the thought of death, the thought of life passing by in an instant, you know, um, it's kind of like, you know, existential crises, like one-on-one right there. Right. But, um, you know, I struggle with that nearly every day, you know, thoughts and it's really fucking hard to not think about it but uh hearing songs like these and you know later in the record it goes deeper into the idea of hearing songs that i can relate to on on that level you know and it always makes it a little easier to confront my own thoughts and you know kind of hearing someone else describe it in a way that i maybe can't and uh that's kind of what motion city is for me um a lot like a lot of their records a lot of their songs Throughout, throughout all of their albums, um, they're kind of like that, you know. Uh, but moving on, track five, Everyone Will Die. Um, so the vocals for the uh, from the demo of this uh, that they recorded, they actually recorded it on the tour bus. And like while they were, they were out on tour and everything, and they, they tracked the vocals just for the demo. But, um, they actually, they were so good, they used that take for the album version, and they said that if you can single out the vocal track, you can still hear the hum of the generator from the bus, which is kind of cool. Um, there's a string section, too, and it's an actual string sec- section. Like, it's not just, you know, maybe, like, pre-recorded samples or anything, like, from a machine. or You know, it's it's in the studio, like, legit like these people killing it or whatever. And it really, it gives the song a very, uh, it's like a big feeling. Like when you hear the, the strings kind of swell and come in, like it's just a, it's a very emotional song. You know, it, um, it almost gives it an uplifting vibe. Uh, lyrically it's definitely dark, but it's also positive in a way. Uh, so, you know, Justin said it's not, necessarily a death song but more of a celebration of life song uh you know the lines for me where he says uh every single smile and every single tear reminders of the moments we shared in the instant we were here if everyone will die and everyone will lose then who are you gonna love in the meantime before it catches you and uh it always makes me like that always kind of gets me down a little bit but then it makes me think of uh something Andrea always says to me when I go down a dark hole and I'm having a hard time like processing the idea of losing people or just whatever. And, you know, she always says like, 
Um, well, you just you have to in, enjoy the time while they're here and make the most of the, of the time you're given. You know, something to to that effect. And uh, you know, <clears throat> it always helps to to calm me down a bit. And yeah, so moving on. <clears throat> um, the Coma Kid track six. Uh, a little more upbeat, I'd say. <laughs> it's just quite simply a song about procrastination, right? The uh, the Coma Kid is someone who just he just can't do things. Like he he's thinking about it, but just can't seem to get it right. And he says that in the song, where it's like you know, um, I can't, I don't know, I can't think of the the exact lyric, but it's something like you know, I just can't seem to get it right. And he kind of going along those lines, right? So I mean, it's a I love the music in that song, the drums, the synth, like the keyboards or whatever, like it's all so good. So good. Um, next up box elder, uh, track seven, uh, fun story actually real quick about the coma kid. Like not that I'm sick of it or anything, but for, I I guess probably like a solid year. I had that as my alarm. So every day for work, I wake up to that song and I finally fucking changed it. Cause I was like, man, I love the album. I love the song, but I cannot hear it again like i can't hear it every single morning anymore but yeah i mean that that that'll be the same that's the same with any song eventually it's like okay come on i got to got to do something else but so anyway uh box elder weird name but i'll get to that in a minute the uh the chorus where he says um you know he caught me talking to myself again uh one by one we all go marching in i hate myself and no one else but i lie so well that you'd never tell if I let you in, it would end us both, but I care too much to leave this hole. Now, um, so Justin relates the uh, the life cycle of the box elder bug to a relationship. Uh, and, and that's, uh, so the bug, it needs, I guess, a certain type of tree or whatever to live. Okay. And, but in order for the bug to live, it eventually will kill the tree. So the idea of this type of relationship you know, where it's like, hey, I need you, tree. And the tree is like, all right, man, cool. Come and live with me. You know, I think I love you. And then the bug's like, but now you got to die. Like, I can only live if you die, <laughs> I guess. Uh, applying that to a human relationship is, is in- interesting. You know, like someone who would, I guess, maybe hold you down or, or just like not be a good fit for you. You know, it's, it's, it's a pretty cool idea. You know, and I've always really liked that song a lot. Um, but then next up is one of my favorites on the record. Uh, the Worst is Yet to Come, uh, track eight. I, just the bass line in the song, it's so heavy. And like, I don't know, man, it just hits me fucking hard. Like, cause there's a line where he says, you know, it's uh, too heavy to hold my own evaporating soul. Uh, sweltered and sandwiched in the middle of this melting heart of major compromise. I have one foot out and one foot almost in. I am sick of listening. And um, again, with the bass line, the keyboards in that part, it's it, it's such a heavy sounding song. Like, yeah, it, it's, it's pretty crazy. But uh, it was also, so it was written during the time of the, the great arm break debacle of Tony Thaxton, which um, I discussed at length in the uh, My Dinosaur Life episode. Uh, thanks to him emailing me a like a, a detailed description of that time period, which was pretty awesome. Uh, side note, 
I was actually really glad this weekend because I uh, upgraded to the VIP uh, show thingy and I was able to personally thank him and Justin at the show the other night. So that was really cool. Uh, it was kind of funny because I don't think Justin remembered me because he only like sort of like sarcastically answered one of my questions on Twitter, maybe two. But uh, me and Tony actually, you know, we had an email exchange, two or three emails, whatever. So once I, I sat and I, I, and I could see Justin's face, so he looked mortified. Like he was like, "Ooh, I don't remember that at all. And Tony was kind of like, I could tell he was like processing like, like he, he was almost there. And then I, I said something and he goes, oh, shit, yeah, yeah, I remember that. And I'm like, it kind of, I could tell he was like, it seemed at least was genuinely like, yes, I do remember you now, uh, you know, cool. But whatever the case, it was really awesome to finally get to, to thank them for that because they, they don't, you know, they didn't have to do that. And like, it was really awesome that they took time out to do it. So, you know, I was really appreciative of that. Uh, so anyway, their buddy at the time, I think Claudio Rivera, who would, if the name sounds familiar, he would eventually join the band after Tony's departure to record Panic Stations. He actually played the drums on this song, right? But he played them in a way that he thought Tony would have played them, and they recorded that, and everything was done. But then eventually, I guess like something like they said in the interview, like Tony didn't didn't want to hear the others the drums at all he wanted to kind of go in fresh i guess and get his own uh drum piece you know recorded and all that so he actually then just like wrote his own part i guess after he got better uh recorded those drums they re-recorded it and it kind of like it got pieced together over a a pretty decent period of time right but eventually all got done and again kind of a haphazard way of recording a song but you never know it because it's so fucking good you know, I guess that's why they're a professional, you know, band. Yeah, it makes sense. But, um, so anyway, another one, uh, Bad Idea has another really kind of crazy backstory, I guess. Uh, so track nine, it was actually written for Commit This to Memory, but then it got pushed off that album. Then, you know, it came up again. And, for uh even if it kills me came up again pushed off my dinosaur life got pushed off and then finally for this record i guess they were like man we keep going back to this song we can't quite figure it out you know it took like seven years to finally make it onto a record and you know knowing that though now i I could see how this song could have fit maybe fit into commit this memory or maybe more even if it kills me but um, I'm actually, I'm really glad it got released. I'm really glad it got fully formed and then released on this record because it just fits like really well here. So uh, yeah, it's a good song. So now on to uh, track 10, the probably the, oh man, the saddest song in their entire catalog, um, Happy Anniversary. Now, the song is about Justin's grandmother and her last days battling cancer. It's told uh, through her eyes on what she would like to say to her family during her last moments. Uh, they did say in, in the interview, the YouTube thing, that um, uh, Justin kept, you know, he kept breaking down while trying to sing it in the studio and sometimes couldn't get through it. Uh, my personal experience with it, uh, I've cried a lot listening to the song, like a lot. <laughs> But um, 
And actually, that was before I could even relate to it on a similar level. It just always just like resonated with me and it just like, I don't know, I guess it just like hurt, right? It was the weird feeling. It was just such a somber song and the way he's describing things. It's, it's yeah. so I will say this. So in the, the album came out in June of 2012, okay? My uh, ex-wife's grandmother died of cancer i think a day before thanksgiving of that same year so i had the song already moving me in 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 a big way before that and then after it was kind of a bit too much because it just it just hit too close to home you know so and he says um in the song says uh i can feel it in my bones tonight uh swallowing whatever's in its sight struggling to breathe with all my might Cause I won't be here to dry your tears. Send the kids my love. Happy anniversary. Promise me you'll laugh, my dear, after I'm gone. Happy anniversary. Because I won't be waking up, my dear. Time has run its course. Happy anniversary. Now I'll say goodbye, my dear. This will be our last happy anniversary. Now, you know, this wasn't the first time. I guess cancer had affected people that I knew or were close to, but I think this was the first time that someone had actually passed away from it. You know, not that I wasn't like super close to her, I guess, but I still knew her, you know, and I guess what she meant to her family. So, you know, it was was tough to kind of see that and be so closely related to it, you know, and then, um, more closely to me, you know, thinking of my dad who beat his cancer, but, and then my mom's best friend who also uh, was able to uh, get past leukemia. Uh, but then another friend of my mom's who she lost due to cancer. You know, it's it's a song that, like, to this day I can barely make it through it without tearing up. And even just talking about it just now, just reading those lyrics, it was hard. It's, it's hard. It sucks. But, uh, and unfortunately, the most recent event of a, uh, a friend of mine passing away due to cancer, of course, um, you know, RIP Jeanette Sears. She, um, was last year actually. And, you know, this, the song unfortunately continues to be relevant. Um, but so anyway, floating down the river, uh, closes out the record. It's a, um, it's a celebration of life. A celebration of making it through some tough shit, but also wishing that you had figured out all of this stuff, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, you know, without going through the awful shit. But, you know, who knows, though? Um, like, would you come out with the same knowledge if you didn't? You know, it it kind of works that, you know, where it's like, it, it works the same way. And like, you, sometimes people say like, man, I wish I would have never met that person. Or I wish I would have never done this. Or I wish, it, you know, and it's easy to say that, but those things help to shape you into the person that you are today and you know, hopefully for the better, you know? So I say embrace those times and learn from them and move on into, you know, letting it make you a better person. So there's my uh, inspirational speech for the day. <laughs> now, um, the vinyl ends here, but the deluxe edition on iTunes had three bonus tracks. And the reason I'm going to cover those is because Bottom Feeder, the first bonus track, is actually my favorite favorite song on the entire record. And um, it's just such an aggressive 
song like the drums are just like driving the whole thing they're so fast the guitars like it's fucking great justin's voice in the song sounds so strained and just like just full of just fucking pain and just like being upset and it's it's again it's a tough listen but you know the break in the song which i actually wrote this uh, i think i might have fucked up but so as part of the vip upgrade you could get uh one like handwritten uh line from a song right and in the email they said to pick two i guess and they would just then like you know one or they'd pick one of the two that you that you submitted well what i did was not seeing that the first time i submitted one which was this one it says the severing of ties the parting of our lives right and i love it and I didn't see the option to send a second lyric in the same email the first time. So then I just like, I resubmitted it. And I think by resubmitting it actually erased my first submission and took the second one, which is fine. Cause it ended up being, um, one day I'll fail to breathe and all you have <clears throat> one day I'll fail to breathe and all you have are memories from time turned fragile. Again, that was even hard to talk about anyway. So, I got that one instead, which is pretty awesome, but, um, that wasn't my first choice and it was probably my fault, but, um, the, in that particular part, the, you know, the, the song shifts musically, like everything just sounds so heavy and it's like crunchy, I guess. I don't know. It, it's, it just continues. He says, um, the bitter blue and there's not room enough for you. Humiliating cold, the pieces that I sold, the deepest black, the love I lost and can't get back. And, uh, there's a part that, and this is like the weirdest thing, but so there's a part that Tony plays. There's like this big Tom sweep or whatever as Justin singing the, uh, the pieces that I sold part. And that makes me choke up and nearly cry sometimes. Uh, I don't know why, like the, 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 the combination of the drum pattern mixed with the lyrics of that breakdown just hits me in a way that like no other drum pattern has, I guess it's, hard to explain but it is it's this whole album i mean if, if you haven't figured it out by now it's, it's a really tough tough listen for me like it's great and i love it so much but it's much in the way of like like stage four by two shame worry which will get its own episode soon that is a record that is so fucking good but it is so goddamn hard to listen to um but anyway you know i'll, I'll get to that so um give up give in is next uh, this song, I guess it kind of sounds like it's playing on like the idea of addiction, maybe. Uh, I'm not too sure, but I'm just going to go with that. Uh, so in the bridge, he sings, you know, Terror, terrorize, too busy playing dead to be alive, kind of over and over. And then the uh, the chorus, he says, uh, you know, I don't care, I don't care anymore. I give up, I surrender. I'm afraid of it all. It's a monster I can't ignore, which again, Sounds like addiction of some kind, which, as everybody knows, he's struggled with in the past. So it would make sense that there was a song written about it because um, there's a lot of songs written about it. But um, and to close out the album for real this time, uh, Alcohol Eyes, which, again, not too sure what it's about. And the Internet was zero help. But um, I guess it's a love song. You know, there um, there's some cynical parts and they're sarcastic, but that's just kind of who Motion City is. So it kind of makes sense. But um, I think that's it. You know, it's a great song, too. You know, as as always, every song on this record is awesome. And 
I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and just give it a just a 100 out of 100. Who fucking cares? The numbers don't matter anyway. But um, as I explained earlier, this record means so much to me. And, you know, to this day, almost eight years later, it still hits me as hard as it ever did, you know, for better or worse. Um, but, you know, if again, you if you somehow have not ever heard of this record or this band or uh, if you maybe stop listening after commit this to memory for some reason, do yourself do yourself a big favor get back into it and get this album get my dinosaur life and even get even if it kills me even though that is i think their weakest album uh in retrospect it actually is still really good too so yeah so with that thus concludes another episode so um you know as always man you know everybody follow me uh twitter instagram facebook uh youtube you know i'll have uh links in the description for all of those uh, rate and review on itunes please i'm uh, currently stuck at nine reviews or, or i guess nine ratings so um you know help me hit 10 that'd be really awesome i'd be really appreciative if someone could do that um or you know as always subscribe anywhere else you listen to podcasts and um i guess that's it so for the vinyl countdown i'm jeremy levine and the uh <laughs> the outro fucked up uh i hope to be in your ears next week thank you all so much for listening take care